Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Well, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 500 years ago, this year, in 1520, Martin Luther was excommunicated from the Roman Catholic Church. He was excommunicated for preaching the gospel. Well, there's a lot more details to the story. The history pretty much just boils down to the fact that the Western Christian Church, with the Pope at its head, had drifted so far from the teaching, preaching, and <clears throat> living in accordance, in accordance with Scripture, that Martin Luther sounded like a heretic to the powers that be when he proclaimed that the church should be recentered on Scripture, our sacred texts. The church authorities, all the way up to the Pope, cared more about their positions and profits. Being a bishop or a Pope was pretty big business back in those days. They cared more about these things that they could not abide the truth. So, they tried to sideline the one preaching truth rather than let the truth set them free. How did it come to that? How had the church that had risen from the tomb with Jesus Christ himself on that first Easter morning, how had the church become so corrupted? How had the institution founded on belief in a loving God, good news for the poor, and redemption for the persecuted, how had that church itself become the persecutors preaching judgment against the poor in the name of a vengeful God? How had the church, the body of Christ in the world designed to preach good news, become bad news for so many? The tides of history move slowly, powerfully, and widely, but firm distinctions can be drawn from time to time. That is to say, there are many things that went into necessitating Luther's call for reformation, many of which are hard to pin down in one simple sermon. Yet one practice of the church started spiritually and faithfully and simply enough but had become woefully corrupt by the time that Luther was born. The practice of penance. Penance, the practice of doing acts of contrition after having sinned and confessed those sins to a priest, was believed to be part of how one makes amends to God after having sinned. Now, originally, this was taught to be distinct from the practice of confession and forgiveness, and we still do here in our church to this day. They, they, all, they, like we, also taught that once we confess our sins to God, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins outright, with no act required on our part. God is good and gracious, and they believe that God forgives all who ask for forgiveness, with uh, no questions asked in return. Yet the church went farther, and the church went farther and taught that God then act, expects acts of penance to be paid for wrongdoing, 
Things like saying extra Hail Mary prayers, doing works of service, saying extra Lord's Prayer, or praying the Lord's Prayer extra times, donating money to the poor, or extra things like that. Now, practices of penance took a major, major turn in 1095 when Pope Urban II preached that Western European Christians were to take up the cross and fight to conquer the Holy Land for Roman Catholics, taking control of it from the Middle Eastern Muslims who then occupied the Holy City, Jerusalem. Part of his appeal to the knights and soldiers heading off into the unknown and likely to their deaths on the church's behalf was the issuance of the first plenary indulgence. I know, big, big church words here. Now, this was a sort of a spiritual GI bill that freed the first crusaders from having to do any acts of penance upon their deaths if they died in service of the, uh, to the church, to the Pope's call to arms. Now, this was all well and good in the moment, as much as we can say that anything was all well and good about the crusades. But it took a dark, time, a dark turn over time as priests, bishops, archbishops, and even popes began the business of selling indulgences to everyday folks all the time. Now this basically turned into massive and obvious spiritual and financial extortion campaigns. It got people into believing that they had to pay for their spot in heaven. Perhaps this was good news for the rich it was devastating news for the poor. What's more, indulgences were issued much like modern-day bonds are for municipal projects. If a city or town was building a cathedral or a new bishop needed to pay for their position, suddenly indulgence peddlers descended on that town, city, or county to see, say that everyone needed to buy indulgences there in order to pay for their and their loved ones' spot in heaven. Well, a few miles up the road, nobody was selling or buying indulgences or being expected uh, to do that. So like, if, you know, if you're building a cathedral in Wittenberg, just down the road in Leipzig, they're not doing that, and you're being charged all this spiritual, you know, asked to pay the church all this money for it. Uh, it's pretty obvious to you, as an everyday person, what was going on. The grift was obvious, devastating, corrupt, abhorrent, and amounted to fraudulent financial and spiritual exploitation of the poor by the church. Centuries later, I am still ashamed to be the spiritual descendant of these guys. Once again, coincidentally, many of the finest cathedrals throughout Western Europe were, were built during this time and funded through these sinful indulgence programs. So Luther called them on it. And 500 years ago this year, they kicked him out. They thought that they could silence the message, but they underestimated how fed up the people were with being taken advantage of by a church that cared more about its power than its people. For example, the messengers from the Vatican who were dispatched to actually deliver the papal bull of Luther, Luther's excommunication 
That is the Pope's order or decree, uh, basically kicking Luther out of the church. Uh, these messengers had a really hard time actually delivering it to Luther in northeastern Germany because they had to pass through so many areas of people who were fed up with, uh, fed up with the church, were supporters of Luther for preaching the true gospel, and were hosp- very hostile to any messengers from Rome. Then, when these guys actually were able to make it there and give him the papal bull, he and his supporters were able to throw a big bash where he burned the letter publicly, basically saying that the Pope's orders meant nothing. And the people cheered in celebration. A big party, big event. This was quite the disruptive time to be alive as the bloody and violent years to come would prove. This is the origin story of the Protestant Reformation in general and the Lutheran Church in particular. The Roman Catholic Church kicked us out for preaching the gospel and still have not found a way to repent of the institutional wrongdoing of the 15th and 16th centuries and welcome us back to this day. Fortunately, amazing and powerful work has been done to reconcile Roman Catholic teaching with what the Bible actually says over the past few centuries. And there have been powerful joint statements of theological agreement between Lutherans and Catholics in the past few decades. Yet, the cat was kind of let out of the bag 500 years ago this year. And the Christian church has been marked by kind of embarrassing division and schism ever since. Protestants have just kept fracturing and fracturing, starting new church after new church, without any real thought of institutional unity. It all started because the Roman Catholic Church believed it more prudent to discard those preaching the truth than to repent and let the truth set them free. So what does this mean for us today? This all happened a long, uh, long time ago, long before we were born, in distant lands, between governments and church systems that don't even exist anymore. Why should we care? Well, first, I would say that we, especially we Americans, should learn from the mistakes of the past, or we are doomed to repeat them. Now, as much as ever, it is critical for us all to pay attention to where we have come from as a way of discerning the direction we should go next in the future. As church-going Christians, though, I think this Reformation Sunday, we should learn the lesson from 1520, that a church that refuses to repent and let the truth set it free is bound for trouble. God does not expect us to be perfect, but God does expect us to be repentant. The church of the 16th century was so wrapped up in its own power and position at the head of European society that it could no longer hear God speaking through the Holy Word. Popes pretended that their words were higher than God's words. And when Luther called them out on it, 
They refuse to listen. Cardinals, archbishops, kings, and other nobility all rallied around their false prophets with their false interpretations. And the world only descended into chaos. They refused to listen to the truth, so the truth could not set them free. The good news for us is that we do hear the truth. We do hear the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, preached freely here every week. This is why we stand when we read the gospel in church every Sunday. We do not do this because we like the liturgical aerobics of standing up and sitting down when the pastor tells us to. Anybody just like a fan of stand up, sit down? (laughs) No, we do this as an act of reverence, an act of reverence for the gospel words that liberate us from sin, death, and the devil. Our church prioritizes uh, the translation work from ancient Greek and Hebrew so that we can help all people to read the Bible for themselves and in their own language and in turn teach our children and their children what it all means so that they can know this freedom for themselves. Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, comes to set us free from all that would hold us down. And we are reassured of this truth weekly through the gospel passages we read, the sermons we hear, and the hymns we sing. The truth has come. And as we come to know the truth, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Word and worship together as a repentant church, the truth does indeed set us free. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.